This is Learn It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love The 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Today, we have a very special guest. Please welcome Samantha Anderson. Samantha is a strategic visionary with 30 years of experience leading organizations in philanthropy, social entrepreneurship, and innovation. She is committed to helping women lead with impact and purpose without burning out or destroying their health. Her mission is to create a better future for women and the organizations they lead by facilitating their growth and power. She's a longtime advocate for women in the workplace, helping her clients understand their unique purpose and talents and how to best express them in the world. As a board-certified functional medicine health coach and with a certification from the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, she works with her clients to develop and implement effective strategies to improve their health using lifestyle change, nutrition, joyful movement, sleep practices, and stress management. Samantha is a mother of three young adult children and is a stepmother to another three young adult children. She lives in Brooklyn, New York with her husband, blended family, and her dog, Beverly. Samantha, it is so great to have you here with us today. Thanks for being on the show today. Mm, it's such a pleasure to be with you too. Yes, and this is the part of the show where we do the big reveal as to what song we're going to be referencing today. So without further ado, Samantha, what is the song that best resonates with the story you're going to tell us today? Can I get a drum roll, please? Yes. It is This Is The Day by The The. Love Love that you picked this because we're talking deep tracks, folks, from the 80s. How fun is it to rediscover songs that we may not remember? Now, I remember the, the, I did not remember the song. And so I've listened to it several times and wow, it's so powerful. And it was 1983 was when the song came out. It, uh, on the UK charts, uh, it went up to number 71. But here's what's cool about it. They actually re-recorded the song 10 years later in 1993, and they named it That Was The Day, and that hit number 17 on the singles charts. So oh I gosh. love that they did that. And it sounds- That is fascinating. It really is. I love, I love that. It's like you get to reinvent your song anytime you want. Rename it, tweak it a decade later. It's pretty cool. Mm, there's a lesson in that too, isn't there? There sure is. There sure is. 
So Samantha, tell us your story. So, oh, Patricia, first off, it's so great to be here. I am really excited to get started. So my story starts in the 80s, I think, like like most of your guests. And actually, I didn't know that song in the 1980s. Like you said, it was like one of the, in the deep recesses of the vault. And I only became aware of that song actually like 30 years later. But the 80s for me were bliss and nirvana. Like mm. I had an incredible childhood. I grew up, I'm in, I'm in New York City now. I grew up in a, in a suburb just across the George Washington Bridge in, in northern New Jersey. Um, kind of idyllic childhood, lots of wonderful friends and lots of outdoor activity and sports and a family life that was supportive and nurturing. Kind of in hindsight, like I was, you know, kind of probably quite unusual because those years can be really, uh, you know, tumultuous. And yeah. I just had a ball, the 80s for me. It was, it was beautiful. Amazing. Yep. And it sounds like you had such an amazing relationship, you know, with your dad. I remember you sharing that story a little bit about how you guys worked together. Will you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So I left the home, went off to college and decided that uh, I have a love of learning. And I decided Mm -hmm. to pursue a a graduate education in a similar field to, to what my father had studied. And I actually went to his alma mater. I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and I studied women's labor history, and he had studied organizational development. And I kind of thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a professor, an academic, and was along that path, along that route, and realized pretty quickly that I was very social, and being in a library all my days and nights wasn't going to suit me. So I... um, I rang my dad and I said, uh, I think I'm going to wrap things up after I get my master's. What do you think I should do? And he said, why don't you come back to New York and come to work for me for the summer and we'll see how it goes. My dad had a small boutique management consulting firm that specialized in um, employee relations and workplace culture, you know, organizational development and Mm -hmm. strategy. And I said yes to that summer. And that summer then became a 10-year partnership with my dad and in in what became a family business, this consulting firm. You know, I had grown up listening to him and my mom talk about work, you know, around the kitchen table every single night. And so to have that privilege to be mentored and supported and and also given a, a long leash to test myself and explore in a professional setting, it was pretty extraordinary. So... That was like my 90s, 80s and 90s wrapped up in a little, a little bow. Nice little yes. t- yeah, exactly. Wow. And I love that you guys, it's almost like your dad. I mean, what a gift to get to work with your dad like that. And then, and to really like early on, it sounds like you really knew your strengths early on about what was going to work for you and where you shine. Right. And you mm-hmm. took that into that family business. Absolutely. You know, the, the learning and, you know, the love too. I mean, working uh, in a family business can be incredibly stressful and to lead with that love, uh, always having it uh, as the intention, you know, if something goes awry and 
you know, things blow up, you know, we, we all have that as our purpose and, and our intention. That was really a driver for, for me, at least. Now, looking back on it, I, I, don't th- I was definitely not aware of my strengths as we understand them today, yes. but it certainly was a driver. Yes. And then along the way, as you had that amazing 10 years with your dad and working for the business, you, um, something thrusted you into another pivot. Tell the audience about that. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, in early 2001, my family, I uh, had one child at the time, um, and my husband and I, my first husband and I, and, and my newborn son were vacationing with my parents. And my dad was, um, he was just about to turn 60. He was a couple of months short of 60. And um, he had a sudden heart attack and he died while we were on holiday together. And this was one of those moments that you sort of, I mean, this is 20 years later and I'm just unraveling the momentum of where that then led me in my life. Mm -hmm. And the just the intensity of that experience, the grief of that experience, the trauma of that experience. So our business as such, the partnership dissolved upon his passing. And I had to really rethink the rest of my life and what I was going to do. So this idyllic, blissful, cocoon protected life that I had been very fortunate to be born into. And then as a young adult to carry forward was all of a sudden just gone in an instant. Wow. It's like really pulled the rug out from underneath. I mean, to, and then you guys were on vacation together when that occurred. Yeah. Um, and uh, wow. And, you know, I have a, I have a photograph of my dad in the, in the pool with my 18 month old son, the morning that he died. And, uh, you know, he was fit and healthy and, you know, has, he had, you know, muscles holding, you know, my, my son and optically you really wouldn't have known there was anything going on under the surface with, with his health. He was definitely an overachiever and a, a hard worker and a light fuse, you know, an easy mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, kind of erupt. Excite. And, and, yeah. excite. Oh, I like that word a lot better. Yes. And yeah, so it was, um, it was, it was definitely intense. So when, when that occurred, you know, you had to then, all right, pivot. Uh, you said that the business just dissolved because it really was a labor of love between the two of you and something that you carried forward. But in that, it sounds like you discovered new interests and lessons learned from your dad and things that you might have done differently. Tell us a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the business, as I described, was, was, you know, focused on workplace culture and strategy. And I was always I had grown up in a family that was very um, involved in politics and in nonprofit work. And I had, uh, you know, in my early 20s, sat on a a number of boards and I was really Mm -hmm. learning what nonprofit, you know, strategy looked like. And that was very interesting to me. And um, what was also very interesting to me was the blend between business and nonprofits and towards the end of my dad's life and, and ultimately the end of our business together, I had taken on a number of clients that I was, I was working with on my own. 
that were striving to nonprofit clients that were striving to blend their mission and purpose with financial sustainability. And so I got really deep into that work. When my dad died, I, I literally did everything I possibly could to research, again, my love of learning, to yes. research this world that I hadn't really known before. And it reinvented myself yeah. in that process, became a director of a program that um, was housed at the Yale School of Management funded nonprofit organizations that were striving to to generate earned income. That was a big part of um, our work. And it was like this this beautiful blend of what I had learned from my dad around strategy and business and like workplace balance. And then my my love with of you know purpose-driven mission-based work. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a beautiful synergy challenging to, to have to do it on my own um, without my partner. But that was the direction I was guided towards and, and what right. I ended up. Wow. And I'm thinking about like, you know, to, to work with the nonprofits and then to be able to get earned income because so many people go into those non, you know, nonprofits, you know, bleed, you know, bleeding hearts, you know, humanitarian. And while finances are, we have to put food on the table. We have to have money in our pockets, but then to be able to, you know, have that financial success for those uh, working in nonprofits is incredible. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this was kind of in the 2000s, 2010, like kind of in that, in that time frame. Um, it was sort of novel for nonprofits to think that they could generate earned income as well as raise dollars. And I often would say, be careful what, what you're, you know, when you go down this path, because it is actually sometimes more difficult to start a business than it is to ask for philanthropic, you know, grant money. Yes. So kind of wow. like making sure that people understood what the risks and the um, constraints are when you're endeavoring to, to try something like that. Yes. And I'm thinking about something else you said about work-life balance and that that was a kind that was instilled with you also with your dad. It sounds like that was something he believed in and that's something that you carried forward as well. Well, it was something that he said. I'm not sure if it was something that he actually um, followed through with. <laughs> followed through with. Exactly. And, you know, it's we can turn to that now. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, when uh, I was approaching my 50s and entering into the decade that we lost my dad, you know, I definitely looked a lot at my own health. And I had uh, several health issues, several health challenges. Um, I had actually divorced my first husband and had, well, before I did that, of course, I had two more children after my firstborn and busy, crazy life with, you know, this young family. And I'll just go back for a second and, and mention that 2001 was the year my dad passed. 2001 was also the 9-11. And my mm. first husband was not in one of the towers, but in the building right across from and suffered terrible wow. PTSD from that. And we, we kind of didn't recover from those two events. And, you know, three children under five and the marriage just didn't survive, really. So yet again, 
another catapult into yes. a pivot and what's next for my life. So the story about my health and my the challenges, it, it makes sense now in that context is like a lot of stuff was going on at the time, professionally and personally, and just not holding it all, you know, just really feeling like things are kind of getting out of control. I should add, there was a move across the pond to, to England for a few years as well. So without that cocoon and family support, I didn't have that while we were living abroad. So um, in 2011, I was like in my mid-40s at the time, and this, sort of the cascading health effects were starting to creep up. And um, I met and then married my second husband, who um, we have built this kind of crazy, messy house with six children altogether. The Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. That's right. There are three ki- three boys, three girls, making up that six. The youngest um, one in curls. There is no Alice. That's what we often say. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I actually, the Brady Bunch was a 70s show, but it could have been yes. an 80s show. If, yeah. if, if they had gotten divorced, it would have been an 80s show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, yeah. So met my husband and was very much in this, my second husband, very much in flux coming back from our time ab- abroad and deciding what was next for me professionally. And uh, this is where I was introduced or when I was introduced to This Is The Day. Mm. 2011. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. So wow. like fast forward like 30 some odd years, right? Depending on which release yeah. we're talking about. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The 83, the original. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was Seize the Day, right? It was totally seized the day I met Scott, my, my husband, and we met in a crowded w- work event. And he describes it as like, I walked in the room and he was on the, across the way and he was like, whoosh, who is that woman? Like, yes. like I kind of like, yes. Yes. So, yes. so yes, seize the day. And this is the day. He introduced mm-hmm. me to that song because I, I, I would go out for interviews. And he said, oh, you need a pump up song for, for that interview, for the prep before yes. you walk in the door. Yes. And I was like, well, I don't have one. He said, oh, this is it. Try this one. And yes, that that's the song. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Now, did this, was this around the time that you discovered um, the health coaching and all of, all of that as well? Um, it, it was a couple of years later, actually, I, um, as I, I mentioned, I was like kind of approaching my fifties and, uh, I had a whole bunch of, of weird things, at least weird to me, not so weird to a doctor things going on in my body. And, uh, I was, I was sent to like five different doctors to suss out what the source of the problem was. And like, you know, the rheumatologist looked at one thing, my cardiologist looked at another thing. The endocrinologist looked at the third thing and never the twain shall meet. And I was talking to a friend and she said, well, have you ever heard of functional medicine? And I said, no, I've never, I've never heard of it. What is it? And that was yet again, another pivot in my life where I started to devour everything I could to understand what was the root cause of what was causing my problem, Mm -hmm. my problems. 
we discovered ultimately that through functional medicine and through the doctor that I ultimately saw that um, I have a gluten sensitivity and it was causing thyroid problems, which was causing my hair to fall out, which was causing uh, bloatedness and brain fog and all sorts of other things that like is pretty much diet and food and food as medicine shifted for me a lot of things. Wow. And once I kind of, kind of, it was like that go- the golden you know ring that you get at the, at yeah. the carousel. I grabbed yeah. it and I was like, more learning. I have to go back to school. And I applied to and got into the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, which is um, connected to the Institute for Functional Medicine, where doctors and, and practitioners go to learn about functional medicine. And, and the Coaching Academy exists to teach coaches like myself how to support patients who are seen by functional medicine doctors. And I then pursued my board certification, and now I'm a national board certified health and wellness coach, which I'm- Congratulations. Thank you, as are you. And it's exciting to be able to like have power from that education, like know, you know, okay, this is what's happening. Wow. I now can help her through that transition, through, through her learning um, yes. about what, what she need, how she needs to now live. And there's, uh, that empowerment is, there's nothing like it. Absolutely. You know what I'm thinking about as you are talking and I'm reflecting on the many pivots that you've made throughout your life and how one is really built on top of the other and the lessons that were learned along the way and how unique it is to you specifically having worked in the industries that you have and leadership and organizations and nonprofit organizations. And like, if you look at all of that and and that work with your dad, it's like you understand what it's like to be a leader, what it's like to work really hard. And now it's like, how do we then take care of our bodies to be the best machine we can possibly have to be able to achieve all of the things that we want to do and we or those jobs that um have a lot of stakes or a lot of responsibility like how do we keep our machine going at optimal uh at that 100 uh, i always say like that the 100,000 mile you know checkup right we all have to adapt that mentality that we've got to keep our machine going as best as possible and it sounds like you know what the hard work looks like. You know what it's like to lead. You, you've been in those organizations. And now what a unique opportunity for you to then teach people how to take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I learned a lot in, my, in the business with my dad about leadership, like you mentioned, and, and balance and emotional balance. Like I said too, you know, I'm not sure if he, you know, utilized all of that learning for himself. And but the message that I gleaned from that experience was that we can lead with purpose and and power, but we don't have to burn out in the process and destroy our health. Like there are, are, are limits to that. There are boundaries around that. And there's a lyric in the song. You pull back the curtains and the sun burns into your eyes. And I think about that. The sun burning into your eyes is like that searing burnout, 
you know, that like, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. And this is the day to make the change that you want to make. Absolutely. I love that because, you know, it's interesting. Like if I look at my own life and I may, I've made a lot of career pivots and I often blamed the career for my burnout, right? So I was like in community mental health. Well, it was the community mental health that was causing the burnout. And then I go into management. Well, it was the management that was causing the burnout. And then like, and so for every career, everything I've done along the way, it's becoming increasingly clear now in my 40s that that I am the problem. Like <laughs> I am the one that is causing the burnout. And, and it's a, a, a specifically what you're talking about. It's like, how do we, there are limits, there are boundaries. And, and when you spend your lifetime a certain way, it is so challenging to make changes. And I'm thinking about your own life and the changes that you've made and the obstacles that you have overcome. You know, what strengths do you think you leaned into we're going to reference the via strengths assessment here, uh, audience. And for those that haven't taken it, I highly recommend you take the via strengths assessment. So what strengths do you think helped you along the way? Right. So my key, my, my top say five character strengths I've, I've sort of referenced throughout um, our talk so far. So honesty yeah. is number one. Love is number two. Spirituality is number three. Creativity is four. And love of learning is five. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start with love. You know, it's my, it's, it's my driver. It's my motivation. It's, you know, I describe my childhood as that kind of cocoon of blissful love. And that's what I was raised in. And that's what motivates me to recreate in my current relationships, my friendships, my, my, my children, my husband, that's the most important thing to me, embodying that love. Spirituality, I always, you know, however many times I do the VIA character strength survey, spirituality always rises to the top. And I'll, I want to just share an interesting story that connects to the song and, and this strength. So my dad passed away I mentioned we were on vacation. We were in Florida. And about a year or so later, we returned to that same place for on holiday because my parents had a place there. And as we were turning the corner on this long, dusty road to head towards the, the location, a car was about to turn right in front of us. And the license plate read Carpe Diem, uh-huh. seize the day. Mind you, like I read it. I saw it but I didn't really kind of digest it, you know, like it was many, many years later that like that message really kind of seared into my eyes. Yes. Like the song says. Yes. And, uh, another that's for me, that's spirit, that's spirituality. Like whether you, whether you think that, you know, there's another, uh, godlike presence or what, but that was it for me, that spirit. Mm. And, that's kind of a, another key driver to my life is like looking out for those kinds of, of messages. clues, messages. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Looking out for those messages and, and being open to, to listen to those messages when they present themselves. Absolutely. Really important. I was going to share, you know, it was so interesting. I was in a very, I was in my a management role, very demanding job. 
I was out horseback riding. A red tail hawk flew over me and I got the message in my head that said, your work is done here. And what that meant to me was that I needed to go ahead and resign. And so that happened on, let's say, a Saturday. I went in on Monday and put in my resignation. I gave them, you know, ample notice that it was that I, you know, that I was going to move on. And what was interesting was not sh- very short time after that, my dad took a fall and then that would be his last days with us. And it was nine days. And I, I talk about it on this podcast. But what was interesting is that I heard that message. It could not, it almost like hit me across the face. It was kind of like that, but I was in the right mindset too, to hear the message. I wasn't distracted. I was out as kind of, was like moving meditation out on the horse. And then I learned later from another health coach, uh, that, uh, the red tail hawk is a messenger. So, hmm. and, and the animal, um, I, I'm blanking arch- archetypes and that type of thing. Apparently the red tail hawk happens to be a messenger. And usually if they fly over, they're sending you something. Yeah. So interesting. But I love that you bring that up and about the messages and just really quieting our minds enough to listen. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I'll also mention like creativity for me is really high up and it's connected to love of learning and like always having an open mind for expansion and further knowledge and, and understanding. It doesn't always have to be book knowledge. Mm -hmm. It could be, you know, just having a conversation with a friend and loving that experience of connection. That's all also part of that kind of love of learning. I I see it like that. Um, yeah. So I love the via character strengths. They are such a powerful tool. Yes. Yes. And I understand in your business um, and tell us a little bit about the business that, that you do. And then tell us how yeah, the unique way that you use the VIA strengths. I'd love our audience to hear about that. Sure. So um, I have a health and wellness coaching practice. And what I have done is blend all of what I just described into my, my health and wellness work through leadership, coaching, if you want to call it, uh, I, I actually don't love the term executive coaching. I'm starting to use a, a term called embodied presence coaching mm-hmm. and really helping people lean into their authentic selves. My, my business on the, on the coaching side has incorporated the VIA character strengths, and I'm, I've used my creativity strength in, um, in, in partnership in, with creativity. With, with a dear friend and colleague named Rimi Chakraborty. And she and I have built a, a practice, a program called Brute Zillions. And what, we, what we've understood through the last 15, 16 months of being locked down during yes. the pandemic, when the term resilience was being bandied about left and right, we must be resilient. We must buffer ourselves against all the onslaughts that were coming at us. And Remy and I were having a love of learning conversation. And I said, gosh, this word resilient just isn't enough. We need to be root resilient to ground down and embody our presence in our leadership and embody our presence on this planet in order to 
to withstand the stressors and the disruptions that are going to keep on coming. It's not just this one pandemic. It's just going to keep no. on coming. And that's, that was the birth of, of this work. And what we've done with the VIA is there's 24 character strengths that, um, that you receive when you take this, the assessment. And Remy is a, um, a yoga and meditation practitioner. And I've studied quite a bit of the chakra system as well, which starts at, at well, it, start, it could start at, either from the crown or it could start from the root, but the it's, root. it's seven elements that are in your body. So I'll start from crown. Then we have third eye, then we have throat, then we have heart, then we have solar plexus, then sacral, and then root. So those are the seven. And we have mapped each of the character strengths, each of those 24, to one of the chakra. And to really look at where you're in balance and where you're out of balance and how your leadership can show up as um, optimal and you're demonstrating all of your wonderful strengths. And when you overuse or underuse any of your character strengths, how that can show up in your body. Interesting. For our audience, I always love our guests like you to give a little action item on what they can do starting now, you know, to, to move forward. Sure. So I know you encourage your listeners to take the VIA character strengths survey. I would encourage it you listeners to do that. And if you're interested in how to see where your strengths map to your body and the chakras, you can take the resilience leadership map, which is on our website. And you'll probably put the link in the show notes, but you can find it at um, rootsilience.com, www.rootsilience.com. Love it. Love it. Yes. So we have our marching orders, guys, and it'll be so interesting to see how they are all mapped out uh, with the different chakras so that we know where we need to pay a little more attention to. And then those that might be overused, then how to restore those areas that that uh, we overuse. Exactly. So, okay, so this is the part of the show. This is the fun. Well, it's all fun. Don't get me wrong. Um, But this is the part where I love to talk about 80s trends. So if we were in your closet in the 80s, you know, what would you be donning? Like, what would be Mm, there? Your favorite? Well, because I've talked about chakras a little bit here, and I talked about crown to root, I'm going to go with headbands for my crown and leg warmers for my legs for my root. Fully covered, nothing in between. Just well, no, I and I would be wearing something very colorful in between, exactly because because 80s. And and by the way, I'm still pretty colorful like on a day to day, so you know, rocking all the rainbow, rocking all the rainbow. And that's what, and I and I love that. And 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 I feel that that is something very current too. I love all the colors that are out there right now. And it, it's so fun. How do we get a hold of you to know yeah. more about what you do? And um, yeah, sure. so we can get so in touch with you. My coaching website is essential-wholeness.com. www.essential-wholeness.com. And the leadership work that I have developed is Rootzillience, and that's www.rootzillience.com. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you again for being with us today. It really was a pleasure to have you. Thank you. It was lovely. Absolutely fabulous. Thanks. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.